Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you. Hey, last call on Christmas cards. You can still get your Christmas card into us by mailing it to Boundless Team in care of Focus on the Family, 8605 Explorer Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80920. We would love to get a card for you and be able to pray for you heading into the new year. So do it. Well, here we are for our inbox. We have a girl who's been getting to know a guy, but he admitted that he was sexually abused as a child. And if they're going to date, um, I mean, this was before he became a Christian, but she is wondering, how do I know if he's healed from his past and is ready to move forward? And so one of our counselors will weigh in on that. And then for our culture segment, Chris Pearden, who is John Pearden's dad, is going to be here to share about a young men's small group that he is leading to help guys prepare for marriage. And so some great stories coming out of that, and also discuss some perspectives that he's learned about marriage after his wife passed away just a short time ago. So stay tuned for that. Okay, here we are for our roundtable, and if you listened last week, you know that this week is a continuation of last week's story. We are talking to Jared and Glory. And they are telling us their story of facing an unplanned pregnancy and everything that followed on the story that has, you know, hard aspects to it and great aspects to it. And it's just really, you know, what I feel like for us at Boundless, just talking about the realities of what this looks like. And in fact, this week, we're going to talk a little bit about what role we as Christians have to play in this. What does the church do? What do us as friends do? Family members, uh, people to come around folks who are in this situation and or if we are. And so, um, Jared and Glory, welcome back. Thank you. Great to have you here. Also joining us again is Kelly Sargent from Focus on the Family from our uh, life area. What's your official, like, what's your department's name? I always Advocacy. Forget. Advocacy, because you guys talk about, so talking about the life spectrum, we talk about foster care there. We talk about adoption. You guys deal with the um, pro-life ethic and all that kind of stuff. So a lot going on in that area. Um, in fact, I want to talk a little bit about, or at least mention, our Option Ultrasound program, because that is very near and dear to our hearts here at Focus. And uh, again, talking through Jared and Glory's story, we had mentioned how a lot of pregnancy medical clinics offer ultrasound technology in conjunction with counseling, Mm -hmm. um, which is a great predictor of a woman choosing to keep a baby. And it's just a very legitimate, awesome thing that a lot of them are doing. And Focus and Kelly's group in particular is very instrumental in placing equipment in centers all across the country and even a few internationally, I think. Right, Kelly? One internationally. One international. Okay, so we'll change that at some point. But, you know, we've got one international. (laughs) But there's a lot of, like, legal wrangling and weirdness. That is true, yes. Every country has different laws and bells and whistles and hoops to jump through. So staying in the U.S. is easiest. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of awesome stuff going on there. So, Okay, so welcome back, listener. Uh, We're glad you're back with us. And I said last week that I wanted to pick up the story with Jared and Glory in them. You know, so we talked about them, uh, Glory telling Jared, them making some decisions, what this was going to look like. I mean, Glory was very honest about saying like, hey, I was open to abortion. I was kind of throwing it out there like we don't want to derail our lives and stuff like that. And Jared was like, hey, I'm sticking here. I want to go through with this. They're now married Two cute kids, one on the way. Woohoo. Um, but let's talk about the going back to the early days, which is now five years ago. Um, you found out this news, you had to process it, and then you had to start telling people. So talk about who who were the first people you told, how did reactions go down? Yes, this was the scary part. Yeah. Letting everyone else in. <laughs> yeah. So Glory told me like we found out together, but then you went in for an appointment. Yeah. And then you told me at my house, what? like oh, you like confirmed, it was confirmed it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But then uh, that was the day that I told my brother and my parents. Yeah. So we told his parents first. Yeah. And his family first. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided that it was better if he was there alone because we yeah. didn't know how they would react if I was there. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, he was there alone. Yeah. So I told my mom first and 
it was super hard. She was just so sad for us and for our lives. It was like a very somber reaction along with, and then we brought my dad in and I told him and it was the same. We all just like cried together and just like this deep, like, I don't know. It felt like a burden I was putting on them, Mm -hmm. like telling them. Um, And then Glory came as well because she was around like in the neighborhood. Yeah, I was around. Ready. I was on hold. <laughs> Literally. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> How did that she go? She was down? at my neighbor's house with my brother. But then they came and we all just like talked about it and it you know, it was hard I think to tell them because I just I knew that they had such a specific plan like that they wanted me to like follow. And this, as a parent, you know, I mean, I, oh, I can't imagine. now that we're parents, I can't imagine if our child, you know, we have such a plan and expectation for them for their life and so yeah yeah, so totally understandable and it just was difficult I can imagine for them to hear and but for them to say like you know we're we're here for you guys yeah Yeah. sad but supportive have have they said anything in in retrospect about conversations they had about it like I could imagine a parent saying where did we go wrong these children (laughs) I'm sure because so many parents are like you know they just want they have this idea of the straight and narrow how this has to look and if it doesn't then somehow they failed yeah i'm sure those conversations were had but i don't think they would ever share that with us (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um and then yes next i think i told my family alone and i think jared was also on hold in this situation also um but kind of similar reaction i just i sat them all down and just said it it was like a whole it was this big lump in my throat and I just had to spit it out and yeah they just instantly started crying and they were just like I'm so sorry they were just sad and yeah we all cried together and they said we still love you which was nice that's not the situation for everyone I've been around a lot of teen moms who it's not that situation for them at all Mm -hmm. but um which is hard and sad to see and to be around but Mm -hmm. um yeah, they were there. I mean, they were there in that moment, and then there was some weird stuff after. They're, like, I think it's easy for someone to say right then, like, we're here with you. But mm-hmm. then following up, it was, yeah, I don't know, some rocky relationships just some, here. some family members. Yeah, yeah, just a couple of them. Okay. <laughs> just Yeah, just got rocky after, but that's expected. Yeah. So, Kelly, talk to us about this in a more general sense, like families, telling families what that, I mean, because everyone wants to react well, but you always think that it's going to be some distant, removed situation. You just hear about other people. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes home and it's your family or maybe your super best friend from church or something like that or whatever, um, talk to us a little bit about what would be your advice for people to be able to process that kind of news and respond appropriately in the midst of that? Um, have a lot of grace um, because when it doesn't matter the situation honestly if somebody kind of comes in and blows up your world or your thoughts or expectations sometimes your knee jerk isn't the best mm-hmm. but give them a hot minute and they'll be like oh okay all right we got this what's the plan what's the game mm-hmm. you know let's figure this out Um, so I feel like there should be there needs to be grace on both sides of that but at the end of the day, um, since we're talking about pregnancy, pregnancy isn't a sin. So <laughs> let's celebrate it. <laughs> let's be like, okay, that's not the plan, but all right, what do we do? What do you need? And sometimes um, just like you were saying, Glory, just sit and listen mm-hmm. and respond to what they're giving. So emotion for emotion. Right. If they're sad, be sad with them. If they're happy, be happy with them. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't know the end of the story. Right. Even though we think we do, mm. we don't. And mm-hmm. so just stay with them where they are. Highs and lows, because it's going to come. Mm-hmm. There's going to be high days and there's going to be, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. low days. Okay. So just hang with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So, um, you know, I think it, it's interesting because, uh, again, you know, when I started talking about this last week on the front end of the show, I was saying how, you know, too many people will say, okay, or a lot of a lot of criticism that comes around the life issue is just we only talk about like, okay, well, you got to save that baby, save that baby, save, and and it's not mm-hmm. taken into consideration the mom, the dad, the other people affected, right. and mm-hmm. and the very real 
realities that go with taking this turn. And there's a lot of changes there. And for some people, it's going to be like finances are, might get worse, not better. Or if it's a single mom, this guy may not stay, you know, or it may not be a, a situation where she gets a lot of support. You know, for some people, shame is a big deal. I mean, I heard a story of a, a friend of a friend who went and told her pastor dad and he disowned her, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like the church, you know, not stepping in and, and putting our money where our mouth is and saying what we believe is is true, you know, in mm-hmm. in the dignity of, of all life and, and the ability we have to repent and forgive and love people in the midst of hard times and brokenness and stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, it is, I think that's something to to sit in and acknowledge that, man, if we could all do the hard work on the front end of evaluating our hearts and being like, where, okay, let me walk through a scenario of like responding to this and being (laughs) gracious. I mean, it's almost like we need to practice it. I don't, maybe do you have practice sessions we can set up, Kelly, with (laughs) people role play? Hello, tell me you're, okay. Anyway, well, let's, (laughs) moving forward. That was just me reflecting Mm -hmm. on that. Because I was thinking it is really, I mean, I think people just want it to be neat and tidy and they want it to. Life is messy. Be solved. Get in the mess. Get in the mess. It's fine. It's fine. Because we serve a big God. Okay. So we want to talk about practical ways to do that. And I love, Jared and Glory, your story of how the church really did come around you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember talking to you about this before and you talking about like, diapers and showers and just crazy I mean you already talked about how awesome Life Network our our local center was but talk about who rallied around you and what that looked like and how that gave you the tools to move forward into parenthood yeah Hmm. people just started showing up in our lives that I mean they were already there but just would I mean people found out that we were getting married obviously found out that we were pregnant and instead of condemning us or sitting there and judging us or running away they asked what they could do and and it was hard for me to answer so I didn't really answer so instead they just offered and one one lady was like here can I give you money for your wedding dress can I buy your wedding shoes and I'm like no 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 and she's like I don't care writes me a check anyways (laughs) and um people would just they'd send us like a $500 check in the mail they'd find out our address they just text me and say what's your address someone found out that we um got a house a housing situation set up and he owns a furniture store helped us furnish our entire home mm-hmm. i saved that receipt because yeah oh my gosh mm-hmm. thousands of dollars mm-hmm. and yeah people came along and, and and yeah paid for helped us pay for our wedding we didn't pay for any baby items or baby clothes for the first two years of our son's mm-hmm. life maybe even three yeah. <laughs> like I'm, he's four and a half now and he's still <laughs> wearing clothes that we've been given mm-hmm. So that was just the biggest thing. And like you said, people would ask us out for coffee and just sit there and listen Mm -hmm. and just talk to us. And it was amazing. I think it was exactly what the church should have done. And it was so unexpected. And it was so, we had such a hard time with it because we're like, we're so undeserving and we feel so shameful about what we did. But like, here you are blessing us. And it was just, I'm going to cry again. It was just such a beautiful (laughs) picture of like who God is because he is not a a God who is shameful or like gives shame and condemns. He's a God of grace. And it was, I just felt like God was teaching us these lessons throughout all this and just accept my blessings, you know, take this. Mm. This is, this is who I am. And it was like, oh my gosh, I've never really understood God's grace before, but this is it. We are sitting here, sinners, undeserving, feeling shameful and God's overflowing blessings on us and people are providing practical things for us bringing us meals when I was pregnant and then afterwards setting up meal trains and just being there and giving us gifts and and then I think I also I was talking to you about um the church that we were part of had a program for teen parents where they would um throw a baby shower for them and so it was this huge baby shower like huge baby items that's where I think I got the car seat um and like a bouncer and like these Mm. huge these huge things i'm like oh my gosh and i just remember loading the car after and just crying like this is so amazing and yeah yeah, that and then having my you know our friends and our family throw us a shower and share in excitement but then also Mm -hmm. share when we're sad and scared in those times and so yeah it was it was amazing and we talk about that all the time because i feel like the church is always wondering like how do we help in these situations what do we do and it's like oh my gosh, I feel like we lived what people should have done, you know, (laughs) what what people should do. We felt so loved. Yeah. And people had a hard time with that in our community also. And people would 
say like oh they are undeserving you know like the nasty people like uh, <laughs> you know who like thought that we should be condemned for our sin I guess so that was interesting but anyways yeah. the church was amazing it was overwhelming and still is just yeah. even hearing all of that I'm like taken back like that was insane that yeah. all of that happened and it felt like so unreal it felt like we were just like figuring out like our lives while this was mm-hmm. happening so we it didn't really hit us at first and then it's still it's just yeah, yeah. like someone it's provided us a, someone about. gave us a car i forgot about that someone, yeah someone owns a dealership and found out i was having car issues and was about to have this baby and traded our car like traded our car in her oh, car that just like didn't work it didn't work and then <laughs> the new one was like great yeah oh my goodness so, like, yeah just letting the church huge be the church and like glory said accepting those blessings because mm. like god convicts people and like god gives people resources to like use them for his good Mm -hmm. and it was weird even now speaking on it like being like the beneficiary of god's good in that Mm -hmm. way but yeah it's just like so overwhelming and i think kind of to speak to what you're saying like what can people do yeah even now when people tell us that they're pregnant like we've had a few friends who like have had unexpected pregnancies it's like what can we do just like resources and love and like listening to them mm-hmm. through their hardships, mm-hmm. but also just like practical things like diapers yeah. are a real thing, you know, and they cost money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, anytime someone says that they're pregnant, I'm like, okay, let me give you a list of resources. I'm yeah. like, go to Life Network. Literally. I'm like, there's a program out there that provides free diapers. They're, I mean, Medicaid. You don't have to worry about your babies, like your birth. I mean, people worry about, people don't have babies because they're scared about how much money it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's the world is or our government at least is set up to protect mothers and to protect children and babies and it's like Mm -hmm. don't worry about the finances because it's gonna it's gonna be okay and you have to take the steps to get connected and you have to take the steps to seek out the resources and actually do it and that's you know a step that you have to take but it's worth it Yeah. yeah i think even like um another idea being especially now in your season of life like babysitting you know because again the whole idea Mm. of like our life is over we're never going to do anything fun again Mm. like for people to come in and just be like hey go out on a Saturday night I'm going to come over and hang with the kids or do you know and kind of let you reclaim some of that so it's not just the grind of parenthood which is you know I'm sure there's joy too (laughs) you know it's hard you know it's (laughs) it's hard hard. Um, Jared I was going to ask you in particular what speaking as a guy what do guys uniquely need in this situation both initially and then kind of down the road even from other guys as uh guys as a teen parent Mm -hmm. yeah like if you are a teen parent what do you need yeah well i think uh, the biggest thing is like you need to step up (laughs) and you need to um be there for your lady because uh, (laughs) i mean honestly you you know you are equal owner of that child and is like equally your part and um i think you just need to realize that and accept that and even though the baby is growing in her like you put it there and you (laughs) it's your responsibility to make sure that it's taken care of and Mm -hmm. just lean on your community and maybe reevaluate your community um assess where you're at and like where your what your friends are doing and um you are who you surround yourself with and when you become a father you need to like understand that your life is more than just your own Mm -hmm. and you can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. I think that like the individualism in our culture is quite toxic. And so you need to, you can't do it by yourself. You need to, to find people who you can like kind of have a cohort, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's funny because that you kind of answered a question that I hadn't thought I was asking, but that was good too. But then now tell us, okay, so I want to know also what like as as people are thinking here like okay a guy who's in an unplanned pregnancy how can i best encourage him or resource him or whatever what would you say to people that want to like other guys that want to support a guy friend of theirs who maybe Mm. is now going to be a dad what would you most need from them i think one is just like understanding like that the dad's life is different and he needs to be there for his family so like don't invite him to go party you know what i mean it's yeah. just like you're adding uh... probably good advice for most people <laughs> right but especially that age it's like you're just adding to the the temptation and the, the sadness this yeah and for like not that we wanted to not that well, we no, really yeah. got invited like to the parties, death of but... our youth you know yeah. all that but right um yeah just like be the kind of friend that 
like that you think you would need in that situation and mm-hmm. it's just like make it work for the debt i think something that that's helped, so true no, that's what glory would be a good one to answer this question actually because she's so, <laughs> yeah like i'm I've, all about this yeah my, she is yeah so i think the <laughs> friends who were great friends to jared were ones who would say like hey can i come over to your house and let's play smash bros or let's have a game night and they wouldn't exclude me and they wouldn't exclude the baby they wouldn't say hey jared leave your home tonight leave mm. your family right. and come out to a movie with us mm-hmm. come out on a weekend trip with us they'd say can i can i come over and we're like, yes, everyone come over and so that we don't have to leave. Like, we're just in this very vulnerable time of early yeah. marriage and early parenthood. And so... And that, like, became... Like, our house just became a place for people to come. And I think it was... It helped us still stay connected with our community. And it also allowed them to see our baby and, like, mm-hmm. be involved in our lives and more than just, like, my relationship. Because now I am not just myself. I am connected to my wife and my Mm -hmm. child and if you have a guy friend like he can be involved in that as Mm -hmm. well you know cool so kind of as we finish out here i'd love all of you to weigh in if you'd like to just what for that person who's listening who maybe is in an unplanned pregnancy right now or is considering maybe they're like they just found out some news or whatever and they're like i don't know or if i were ever in this situation i don't think i could go through with it what's your number one encouragement for someone who really it's it's tipping the balance of i don't know that i can give up what i have or i don't know that i am equipped to do this or whatever what would you say to them i would say the main thing is don't try to do it by yourself Mm -hmm. whatever it is the moment that I started talking to people and people started talking to me was was were the moments that added up to me making the decisions that I made mm. um, and helping me through everything. I think when you are faced with any tragedy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. I think a parent would view it as a tragedy for their child. But um, <laughs> um, when you're faced with any tragedy, the worst thing to do is seclude yourself and make this decision, make decisions on your own. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing is to talk to people and communicate and yeah find resources i think is like the main thing but really is my main advice as well Mm -hmm. because that's what helped us the most that's great i would say just be intentional in all areas be intentional with your wife be intentional with your child with your friendships because time looks different when you have a baby but um if you are intentional with it then it doesn't have to be this overwhelming burden it's true it doesn't have to be suffocating life is what you make it and it can be something beautiful and happy or it can be something sad and dark you know you life is what you make it yeah it's good yeah i have nothing to add that was so (laughs) great um but i i agree with both of you be intentional for the person that is in that situation in that moment right now um know that you're not alone that the lies and the fear and all of that, if you just take that one step and talk to that one person, mm-hmm. it just takes one person to hear your story can make all the difference. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, Kelly, since you finished us out with that, you are tasked with praying for everyone listening who is either in this situation or who wants to know how to help. You pray for us all. All right. Thank you. Father God, we just thank you. Um, for your love that you have given to us so that we can love others. And Father, I pray for those who are in an unexpected situation, an unexpected pregnancy, an unexpected whatever, that you would bring your people around them to let them know that they are seen, that they are heard, they are valued and loved because you've created them from the beginning. And Father, for those who you have charged to be the hands and feet of your love, God, give us courage, give us kindness and tenderness to hear, to be um, slow to speak, but quick to lend that helping hand, um, whether it be diapers or just a kind word or financially, um, let us be the people you've called us to be. And we just thank you in all these things and for all this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Awesome. We will also have um, there at the show on our site um, the links that we have here at Focus for additional resources, additional direction um, for those of you that want more info. So thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Your love is so deep. Your love is so wide. It stretches so far and reaches so high. Oh, this love you have for me. my fear, in all of my doubt, your love is enough, it never runs out, oh, this love that makes me sing, there is nothing in the world, nothing like your Folks, we are here for this week's culture segment, and you know it's always fun when I get to introduce you to someone who is usually in this segment a few steps ahead of you. Um, We like to use this segment for authors, influencers, maybe artists, maybe thinkers, theologians, whatever, and You know, today we kind of have elements of a lot of those things um, because we have here in our studio our producer John's own dad, (laughs) Chris Pearden, is with us. Chris, welcome to The Boundless Show. Thank you, Lisa. It's great to be here. Well, it's so fun to have you. You were here visiting, uh, visiting John. How long ago was that? I feel like it was like a month ago. It was about a month ago. (laughs) Okay. So it's like, this is what happens, folks. You just come, you think you're visiting the show. And the next thing you know, it's like, come on back out and be a featured guest. I mean, this is how we roll here. And so Chris is no exception. But John and I had been talking uh, just a little bit about, uh, Chris, what you have been doing lately, specifically regarding mentoring some young men uh, in your area from your church, uh, guys, and specifically the conversations around relationships and preparing for marriage. And I wanted to do this segment with you because there are so many guys in our audience who are like, why aren't there a million Chris Pearden's? Because I would love to have that in my church. In my, I would love to be part of a group like this. We, we feel like it's so elusive, especially for young men today, to have guys in their life that they can be real with, that they can have conversations with. And so, you know, this whole segment is kind of just kudos to you for even making it happen, but glory to God for the conversations that are going on in this group. And so I want to kind of back up and um, but all y'all who are listening, and I'm saying that because uh, Chris is from South Carolina, as you know, John is too. <laughs> um, you are obviously a small group leader, a leader in your church. You do some speaking. You are a painter by trade, which mm-hmm. is super fun having your own business that your sons have even worked for you uh, in that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, and this will just have to be maybe a future segment, a distance runner uh, mm-hmm. in that. So that's what you need to do. Start this small group where you run with guys and you mentor them as you're running. I'm working on it. That's the next branch of this. Okay, that's good. Um, but anyway, a degree in industrial engineering, just a lot going on, very involved in your church. And so, um, well, let's start the the story really with you, you know, you really having a vision for training up a generation of young men uh, to be godly husbands in particular. And so talk about how God even impressed upon you to start a group like this and to give up the time and the energy to make this happen? Well, I was leading a men's group at our church, and a year and a half ago, on April 19th of 2020, after 33 years of marriage, uh, my wife passed away. Mm. And uh, catastrophic loss. Mm. And so as I'm trying to navigate forward, I was still continuing to lead the men's group, but the Lord began to deal with my heart to, and I just began to see a desire to to reach out to the men in the 
not not in a hard and fast way, but from the ages 20 to 30, you know, when we're graduating from college, dating, engaging, marrying, those just those formative years that are directional for the rest of our entire life. To reach out to those men and to not be dormant, not sit on the sideline and not just, you know, because I was experiencing the, the greatest loss of my life and a lot of pain. And I to not just set aside and heal, but to give back. And to try to help the men who are now going into the phase that I've just completed. That's really good. And so how, I mean, tell us a little bit about the nuts and bolts of this, like the logistics. Did you just like, you know, stand in your church narthex and shout out like, are there any guys, young guys here who want to be in this small group? How did you even get guys to commit to something like this and show up? You know, Lisa, that was a fascinating thing all by itself. I was attending a 21 days of prayer that we do every year, New Spring Church uh, in South Carolina. We do 21 days of prayer in January to kind of set the tone for the year. Well, I was going to that, and out of one of those prayer times, um, my son came over to me, and he he really reached out and shared something that, that the Lord had already put in my heart, but it was like he threw the match on the gasoline. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like this. He said, Dad, I really believe the Lord's impressing on my heart that just the way that you have raised us, I have three sons, God will give you spiritual sons to raise, and you will become a father to them. Hmm. And so immediately I contacted my director, Chris Pitts, and I said, Chris, I need help. Here's what has happened. He said, let's meet for lunch, pitch the vision, tell me about it. We did that. And so the first morning, to try to get that sign up, that group of men who would come, I went to the front of the auditorium and there was a group of guys in their 20s. And I said, hey, guys, I'm having breakfast over at my house and you're invited. We're going to talk about relationships. And I was just floored. They took all of them, just pulled out their phone and said, what day? Yeah. And they made that might have been breakfast. Let's be honest. I mean, well, that for <laughs> in the South and it was breakfast. Yeah. OK, probably okay. so. But but okay. they did it nonetheless. And they came and uh, that started it. So it's kind of fun. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And so how many are we talking here? What's your group consist of? Consistently, we have about 10 to 12 men. Wow. Um, wow. There's been a couple of comers and goers, but those have really been like one gentleman joined the military. And so mm-hmm. he shipped out. And mm-hmm. so the guys are, are really diligent to come consistently to a once a month meeting. OK. Now, I, I like the way that you say, and I don't want you to go here yet because we're going to talk about this separately, that there are, quote unquote, women invited into the group. And I think that's a fascinating strategy that you have here. But let's just talk about nuts and bolts, like how, what are some of the topics that you have addressed? What has been talked about? What is kind of most uh, the felt needs of the guys in the group? Like, is there anything that surprised you as far as conversations that have come up? Constant surprises, yeah. which I'm really excited about yeah. because they're being honest. Yeah. But the, the first session that we did the first month, Lisa, I, I took a moment and covered a session topic called Seeing the End from the Beginning. And it was about my journey of 33 years, encapsulated, of course. But that journey was that if they are going to pursue marriage, that... We have got to see the end from the beginning. It will steer and guide our relationship with our spouse, our children, and really all of those around us in a way that I don't think anything else can. And basically, I gave them a very quick example. I'll get this here. Mm-hmm. Is that um, it was like two days ago, I married my wife. Yesterday, she passed away. And today I'm standing here in front of in front of you, sharing this with you. It's that fast. Mm-hmm. It's so quick. Mm-hmm. And if we can learn that one day we will be separated, and, and studies show that both spouses typically don't go together. Someone's going to go first. Mm-hmm. And that if I can help you in this vantage point that I have, see, begin to see that that when you have that opportunity for an argument or whatever that you'll lay that aside, it's really, truly, it's not that important. So we started the group with that kind of a tone. Mm -hmm. And um, so their attention was up on the edge of the seat. Yeah. And then we've covered uh, a number of other topics. One was touching without touching. 
how to touch a woman's heart without touching her physically. Hmm. And, um, and other topics as well. But just yeah. heart-hitting, but yet very necessary to the success of a beautiful, thriving marriage relationship. Yeah. As you've talked to these guys, what would you say, you know, because I, I feel like what we hear a lot at Boundless, and this isn't unique to men, I feel like both men and women do this. We we put so much, you know, before marriage, while we're dating, this like colossal weight on finding the right person or being, you know, it's almost like we're paralyzed into moving into a relationship without having all of our questions answered or without knowing, like we feel like we want to chart the entire lifetime of a relationship and just be sure, be sure. But we know that's not possible. So what would you say, Chris, like as questions are coming up, what are some of the misconceptions that you're hearing? What are some of the things that you're really having to kind of talk through with guys to be like, hey, here's reality. This is what to expect. You know, maybe some of the things that the culture has lied to them about that you're having to set the record straight biblically. There's so many thoughts and questions, Lisa. Um, And I get a lot of help Mm -hmm. from this women's portion of our group because Mm -hmm. they respond to that very, very well. Mm -hmm. They tell us what they need. Um, well, maybe we should tell what what this is. <laughs> how, who who are these women, and what is their input into the group? Talk about how this plays out. Okay, they're called the information center. Okay, because we go to them for information. Okay, that we don't have as men, mm-hmm. and it's actually that's that in and of itself is is a teachable moment. Mm-hmm. Is that we just don't as men we're not going to know it all. There's a beautiful beautiful design of a difference between a woman's heart and a man's heart, and if we will listen to you as a woman what can you teach me about the way god designed you Mm -hmm. so we take the a question for that month and i toss it to the ladies and it's anonymous so no one knows who has responded so they respond Mm -hmm. i mean they really respond we're talking very graphic at times very on the edge, but you know, that in and of itself is a teachable moment. Hollywood says this, but wait a minute, this lady just said this. She said that if she just receives a text in the middle of the day that I'm thinking about you, mm-hmm. that that matters to her. And, you know, so it's been a very, it's, it's a kind of a, a continuous flow of water of eye opening, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that's good. So, okay, so you have these women that give input uh, to the guys. Are the guys often surprised by the responses? Like, what would you say? I mean, do they do guys kind of come in on a particular topic feeling like maybe they kind of have their assumptions or they kind of know it all, and then they're having to re-kind of calibrate <laughs> their thoughts on some issues? Yes, it happens all the time, yes. And, you know, Lisa, this is an interesting point to to put in here. I was married for 33 years, and I recalibrate, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And then that's a kind of a vulnerable place with me. I don't know it all, so when we receive these answers, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm learning as well. And so they come in with, the men come in with, uh, I think this is the way this works, and the ladies, 12 or so of them, have the same answer sometimes. It's mm-hmm. really amazing, mm-hmm. and they will <laughs> say something completely different mm-hmm. than it's a case closed. I mean, really, case closed. It's um, it's really special, and it's kind of a nonstop. It's an ongoing learning process for really all of us, but particularly the, the men who are about to take that, that step of marriage. Yeah. So, you know, guys, I think it's very uh, easily stereotyped with men that— Oh, you know, these, they just, they want to go to ball games. They want to do, you know, whatever. They're going to shoot things. They're going to whatever, but they're certainly not going to sit in a small group and be honest about their struggles Mm -hmm. or open about their struggles. But I think you have indicated that they really are. These guys are hungry for this. How, how do you get them? I mean, clearly there's a, you know, a spirit of confidentiality in, in your small group. There has to be. But how do you get these guys to open up and ask questions and be willing to be real with other men in, in very deep things like relationships? One of the neat things is they see from their peers that we're all working through the same issues. Mm-hmm. And it just it, it that in and of itself brings about a freedom. Oh, you're dealing with the same thing. Oh, I didn't. I thought that was just me. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's that. Um, when we went on the very first meeting, we were all in my living room, and we were all sitting around. And I did something yet again that was very, very difficult for men. Um, but I think it, 
much easier, I would guess much easier for ladies. And I asked the question, how many of you men see marriage in your future? And so they're sitting there, and I'm looking around. I had no clue how many hands I would see go up. Mm -hmm. Every hand went up. Hmm. It was such an emotional moment for me because even guys who I didn't, that I didn't think that maybe they weren't even thinking that direction, their hand went up. And that hand told me, I want to learn. I want to learn. I, I may not know it all. Mm -hmm. I want to learn. Special, very special moment. Yeah, that's good. What would you say um, in looking even generationally? Because, you know, I'm sure they're looking to you to have all the answers and to be like, oh, we'll just ask Chris. He's going to know everything. You know, he was married, whatever. But I'm sure you're seeing a lot of differences from when you were younger in your 20s, early 30s and stuff and the approach to relationships and the ideas about marriage versus what you know, where guys are today, what are some of the differences that you've noticed and how have you had to kind of really speak into that? Oh, my word. Thank God, you know, for his, for the Bible, for his word, because we've really had to come back to this is what scripture says. We don't, this is really not a Bible study. This is more like a father or son mm -hmm. fireside chat, but it's scripture based. Mm -hmm. And so this is what scripture says, regardless of 33 years ago or 30 years ago, or 20 years ago, or 10 years ago, or today, that this is what Scripture says. And when we do things God's way, we're going to get God's end result. And that's what we really want. Mm -hmm. He wrote the manual on life. He probably knows how to make ma uh, marriage work well as, mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I know, um, because John has told me, that you have, don't you have guys in your group, clearly guys who are dating and some who are now moving towards marriage, maybe even one or two engaged now, or I don't know. I mean, clearly there's a continuum here where, you know, seven, not that you're like, you know, this isn't some like MLM scheme where you're like trying to see results or put everything on a spreadsheet or whatever, but clearly you want to see <laughs> continuum of growth and stuff like that. So talk about what you have seen in terms of growth in these guys and kind of their, you know, even a, a vision for marriage kind of being cast in them and the fact that, hey, maybe I actually can do this. What are, what are you seeing as far as the hopefulness around the stories? Lisa, this when I when I say this, I'm I want to listen to my own words because it's kind of shocking to me as well. Mm -hmm. But in the mm -hmm. last seven weeks, I've had four men propose to their girlfriends and have gotten engaged. Wow, that's what I said. Wow, and I'm still saying <laughs> wow, and so much so that in our last meeting, they were kidding as we started the session. They really were just kidding me, you know, about boy, you know, you know, this where's this going, you know, mm -hmm. and, but. One of the men said something to me. It was really beautiful. He told me before he asked his girlfriend to marry him, we were over at his house, and we were just sharing. And it was kind of quiet, and there was not a lot of lights. It was kind of a low light, just a fun, casual, social time. And he was sharing that he was about to ask his girlfriend to marry him. And he told me everything he was going to do. He was so excited. And then he finished with this one statement that just rocked my world. He said, we just want to know as young men from someone like you that this can work. Hmm. And I think we could have heard a pin drop. I could have heard a pin drop in my soul for the next few hours yeah. because that sums up where their hearts are at. And then that there's obviously some, some transformation in their lives to say, I think this will work. I think I can do this. I just need to get my toolbox full. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is good because I think, you know, sadly, there's a lot. I've talked about this at, at Boundless before, how, you know, I'll even walk, you know, or be at events in the church where I feel like sometimes church people are the worst PR people for marriage. You know, they're going to tell you, oh, you know, it's so hard or it's just, you know, well, I hope make sure God's in it because otherwise you're not going to survive, <laughs> which is true. But I mean, still, you know, and it just seems like they share so many discouragements. And, and it is great to see that there's hope for marriage, that God is behind marriage. God has a vision for marriage. He created marriage, you know. And so I think there's a lot of um, uh, good wisdom in that to be like, you can do this. You know, these guys need someone to root for them in this. And so what, um, to that point, uh, Chris, talk mm -hmm. about, 
you know, for the guy who's like, okay, Chris, well, this sounds all good, but like, literally, are there any men in my church that would be willing to do this? How can a young man who wants something like this maybe appropriately approach an older guy in his church for mentorship? Because I think, you know, a lot of times we've talked about this, how guys will do that. But then, you know, some guy will be like, well, I don't know, I don't really have anything to offer, or they're going to say they're so busy, or they're going to say, and then guys get discouraged. So what would be a good way for a guy or maybe a group of guys from a church to start something like this themselves or find a guy to help them start it? Absolutely. What a great question. And I think of, if I put myself in that 20-something person and I'm walking through my fellowship and so just it's it's neat men are coming to my mind right now mm-hmm. um I look at that I want to I want to find a man who has been married for a long time um and I, I, not to put years on it but you know I'm just going to say 20 years mm-hmm. he's he's been through a lot of time uh, journey in marriage and the first thing I want to do is is I want to look at how he treats his wife mm-hmm. Does he treat his wife with honor and respect and love? And do I want to treat my future wife the way this man treats his wife? Hmm. How does he treat his children? How does he treat others? How does he work in his profession or his business? And if I look at this gentleman and I go, you know, he checks the boxes in these areas. I like this man. I want to learn from him. I would I would go for coffee. Everybody in this country likes coffee. So we go for <laughs> coffee or lunch and, and invite them, invite him, excuse me, and, and just and ask, you know, would you be willing? I need help. I'm looking into the direction that you have traveled. Would you please help me? Mm-hmm. I think he may be surprised at the, um, at the comments he may get. I think, I think senior men are probably a little more willing to help if we can get focused on what we're trying to help with, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. I think it also helps to not approach a guy and be like, will you just be with me for the rest of my life? <laughs> like, you know, sometimes young guys, they like glom onto a guy and act like, you know, you have to walk them through, you know, till their deathbed or whatever. And that's not true. Maybe just start out by saying, hey, let's do breakfast or, you know, make it easy entry, <laughs> be approachable and stuff. All right. Just one one last question, because I thought of this and thought it would be a great way to to end Um So we've talked about guys who are marriage-minded, some are dating, clearly some in your group are now engaged, Chris. But what about like, you know, you, I know that you've been honest, you know, in the stories I've heard from John about, you know, your own marriage, you're not coming into this saying, learn from me because my marriage was perfect and I have all the answers and whatever. You had your own ups and downs and you're able to talk from those and teach uh, from those and, and whatever. But for a guy who's in your group, Um, or a guy who wants to go after a group, what would you say, like, whether he's dating or not, what are just a key few things that he can start pursuing right now to grow in maturity, to grow in relational skills, just kind of some of those, like, you know, the guy who's like, I'm ready to do this. I want to mature. I want to start, you know, I want to find a group. Um, Just those things that aren't maybe specifically dating related, but are just great for guys to go after and and pursue towards maturity. Absolutely. You know, scripture says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And that I'll always think of that in terms of an artistic design by our Heavenly Father. So you're special. You're you're special in ways that we don't even know. If we were to take an acorn, and if I were to hold an acorn up to you and ask the question, how tall is this oak tree going to be? There's really no way to tell. In other words, there's potential within that seed to be something greater than we can ever imagine. And that, that's absolutely the case with every, speaking specifically to men here, um, that's so true. And so to turn back and say, okay, Lord, how can I be the best version of who you have created me to be? What do I need to work on in my life? so that I can, in a sense, begin to soar like an eagle. What can I do? And and he is faithful and just to point out those areas in our lives where we need to begin to put some polish on or some work on or repent of or lay down or pick up or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And when we start that journey, 
it's amazing some of the things that can begin to happen around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I think that's why it's so great to ask others too, because there might be, it might be something spiritually to go after. It might be something, you know, a relational skill or two that maybe a guy needs to work on, tweak on conversation skills, communication. Maybe there are things around his his career or, or something else. I mean, it, that's the the neat thing about doing the Christian life and doing it in community is we can all help one another and kind of be mirrors for one another to, to help us go after the things that, uh, that we can have the opportunity to grow in. So that's really cool. Well, Chris, thank you so much for sharing some of your story today and for being willing to uh, do this men's group at your church, which is so great. Now everyone who's listening is going to move to South Carolina. <laughs> We're not going to tell you where. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, just the, the opportunity and the fact that, you know, you care and that you want to be part of these guys' lives is such an encouragement to those listening. So thanks very much. Uh, thank you so much, Lisa. Okay, well, also, you know, because we like to provide a resource for you um, as you're looking to start your own journey or continue your own journey, um, you know that we love Gary Thomas here at The Boundless Show. And so we want to, this week, for a gift of any amount to Boundless, make available his book, The Sacred Search, What If It's Not About Who You Marry, But Why? And just a lot of great principles in there for what I've been talking about today with uh, Chris Pearden, and that is just... Wow, you know, what what are you looking towards spiritually? How have you ordered your own life in the search for a spouse? How are you prioritizing Christ in your life? What are the things really to uh to look for and to pursue yourself? And so, uh just a great book. If you go to boundless.org, you can search for 724724, that's this week's episode, and you'll see the book cover there. Just click on it. Give a gift to Boundless for what you already know we do and love. And again, we are in our year-end giving campaign here at Boundless. And so your gift will help us continue with what we're going to do next year, even maybe a few new things. And again, we will send this book by Gary Thomas, The Sacred Search, to you as our thank you for your gift. So uh, thanks again. Folks, we're finishing out the show by opening up our inbox where we answer one of your questions. And I have got one of our counselors, M.T. Wilson, on the line here. Hey, M.T. Hello. (laughs) Well, thank you for being willing to answer this week's question. Um, We've got a really good one, and it's very, like, involved, multiple pieces to it. So I'm going to read it and then let you take a stab at it. Okay. Our listener says, I've been getting to know a guy long distance for several weeks. He recently shared that he was abused as a child. He later struggled with same-sex attraction and pornography addiction, which stemmed from that abuse. He became a Christian a few years ago, and through God's grace, he has forgiven the people who hurt him and given up same-sex attraction and pornography. He's been through counseling and seems to have a great accountability group and strict guidelines for himself when tempted. I'm wondering two things. One, how can I know that his his healing is genuine when it's a long distance relationship and I'm not seeing him in person. And two, how would these issues affect a more serious relationship or marriage in the future? Yeah, so that, that does have some pieces to it. Um, I tell you, let's, let's start with this. You used a phrase or she used a phrase, give up same sex attraction, which, you know, none of us are really able to fully give up control 
uh, of anything that we have as an impulse. So I think what she's talking about is, you know, he's given up what he used to do, and he's walking a path that's more consistent with his values. So just briefly before we answer the question for the broader audience here, there's lots of reasons that somebody might experience same-sex attractions, okay, some of which we understand, like in this case, and sometimes we don't. In his case, he's obviously done some really difficult work to forgive and seek healing from the trauma of his abuse. His attractions may persist, uh, although some people in his situation report a reduction in frequency and intensity of desires and impulses as they address stuff like past abuse. Um, in, in a similar way, those people who confront their compulsions toward pornography, regardless of what kind of pornography, they're also doing a difficult work. And similarly, while these impulses um, towards pornography might persist, many who do the work report a reduction in the frequency and intensity of desires and impulses. Now, in his case, it's a great sign that he's not only addressing his past abuse, but also using resources in the present to help him live out of his values moving forward. Because all of us benefit from relationships within the body of Christ who can encourage us to live with integrity out of our deepest held values. So that's the positive of this story. Now, here's the reality of where the rubber meets the road. Her question, how do I know it's genuine? And that's the tough part. So you can't see it live down in front of you because they're in two different places. So here here lies the real downside of a long-distance relationship. So even physically-based dating relationships, both sides, they tend to fill in the gaps of look, by, by looking good because that's the outcome they both want. They want a successful relationship. So the one doesn't want to say anything to run the other person off. The other person doesn't want to ask any tough questions for fear that, you know, they might find out what the real truth is. So it's kind of human nature. The problem is that without a physical presence – you know, when you're in a long-distance relationship, there's less nonverbals to experience. So there's more gaps that we run the risk of tending to fill in as looking good. Um, so all that to say, there are a few options that I think might stack the deck in a situation like this. One that's fairly easy to do is take the risk of sharing your desire and creating an expectation for regular vulnerable sharing beneath the surface about your struggles, and regardless of what the struggles are, and that would go both ways. So whatever her, whatever things she struggles with, to be honest with him, whatever things he struggles with, be honest with her, that way it's two-directional vulnerability. I would encourage she maybe even takes the lead in that and see if the other person demonstrates a consistent pattern of responding in kind. This would be obviously done better by video than audio because that way you can see the nonverbals and more accurately interpret what you're hearing from the other person. So that's one idea um, to create that. Second one would be to engage in some pre-engagement counseling, maybe uh, through video telehealth. You know, thank you, COVID. Over the last year and a half, we do have more opportunities to be able to engage people like counselors, you know, even across state lines in some cases, uh, to be able to do that. So I've always been an advocate for, for pre-engagement counseling because it's before the whole train leaves the station kind of thing, and it's harder to pull it back. Um, so that's an option. Um, and then the third one is probably a little scary, which at some point pre-engagement, consider relocating to live nearby because that way you can experience each other more in a physical presence um, to be able to, you know, kind of see what's going on in the real life of the other person. Um, her other question is how would these issues affect, you know, marriage? And I would say the pattern of vulnerability that you establish now, like I was suggesting earlier, sets a precedent for the pattern that you're likely going to get in marriage. So if you don't establish something like this on this side of I do, then it's not likely ever to be there on the other side, you know, without some kind of major crash and burn where, you know, the person really engages something that really creates a big mess and then kind of presses the issue or whatever. But here's a little more good news so we can end on a positive note. Jesus is in the business of remaking men and women into his own image. And when we partner with him on that journey, our faith calls that a sanctification journey. It's just a fancy theological term for being more like Jesus or becoming more like Jesus. That's the normal Christian life, that kind of journey. It's not perfection, but it's like a jagged yet upward, onward journey, sort of like the stock market over the long run. You know, impulses, they're going to happen in all likelihood, okay, for some more than others. And mistakes happen too, for sure. But those people who establish a pattern of vulnerability – 
and disclosure with other people, you know, including accountability buddies like he's doing or, you know, the guy-girl relationship vulnerability like I described. That's where redemption has the best chance for happening the most. Yeah, that's good. And I do appreciate that this person said, you know, on the front end, you know, the relationship is new and stuff. So she clearly, you know, this is thinking down the road and stuff. But I was also thinking to myself, like, wow, you know, who else uh, is in this guy's life? Because getting some additional recon from other people who are experiencing him and do know him um, is great as well. And so, uh, like you said, but giving it time and just uh, taking a good look at, you know, the circumstances around that and, and uh, going from there is is great. So, well, MT, thank you so much for weighing in on that. I appreciate it. You're absolutely welcome. My pleasure. All right, folks. Well, that is it for this week's show. Um, We would love it if you would be willing to leave a review of The Boundless Show on Apple Podcasts. Because again, when people look at reviews and they see reviews, they might be willing to check out the show as a result of your review. So if you haven't left us a review yet, pop over to Apple Podcasts and do that because other people will find the show and hopefully love it as much as you love it. So (laughs) um, otherwise, I will go ahead and see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for the Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family.